what are diving? Hope comes and stops us in our tracks. Bravely we prove in our striving, trudging together each day. Where there's a will, there's a way. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raw Recovery. It is Tuesday and another time for edition of Raw Recovery with Dion Miller. Today, um, we have a guest. Her name is Sharon. Uh, and again, brought to us by uh, Jill, our promoter. I got, to talk with, I got to talk with Sharon a little bit before uh, we came on. But I always like to, I don't like to get them known too. I don't like to get my guests, get to know my guests too much. Because then it kind of ruins everything for me. Because I have a lot of fun discovering and things like that. But so Sharon and I did some talking. She has got an interesting background. But the one thing that kind of caught me that um, she was very astute about was hitting meetings. Sixteen years, and she's still hitting meetings. Um, you know, and that that tells us that no matter how long we go, we still need that in our lives. So, Sharon, welcome to the show. Welcome to Raw Recovery. Thank you for taking your time and being on. Uh, you're very welcome, Dion. It's nice to be here. And uh, my name is Sharon, and I am an alcoholic. Fantastic. And I say that because I, uh, I have been able to get uh, 16 years, 10 months of sobriety. My, my sobriety date is January 17th, 2004. Okay. Through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, so I, what I kind of like to do, and I'm impressed by my length of sobriety. Yeah. And, um, you know, people who know me today would not recognize me had they met me 16 years ago. Sure. I was a completely different person. And, um, but I owe everything that I have to, um, Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm. and the people in it and God. And I'm sorry, I started to get emotional. It's all um, right. That's what we are here for. I will cry with you. Um, It's just, it blows my mind. All mm-hmm. these years, it still blows my mind that I have not had to have a drink. Yeah. So what I'd like to do is I, you know, the, I've shared my story uh-huh. hundreds of thousands of times, probably, or thousands of times, at least okay. in all these years is that, in I understand that other people um, get sober through a lot of different ways. Um, sure. I, I don't have that experience. What I know from Alcoholics Anonymous is that when you tell your story, it's always what it was like, what mm-hmm. happened, and what it's like now. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to kind of keep that uh, because that's what I know. Okay. And uh, so, again, I, I my name is Sharon. And I'm an alcoholic. And I'm... Hi, Sharon. (laughs) I can hear thousands of people saying it right now behind me, too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I believe now um, that I was born an alcoholic. And some people don't think that. And that's just an opinion that I have. There's there's nothing in our textbook. And and the uh, the book of Alcoholics Anonymous is, in fact, a textbook. Mm Mm-hmm. And my copy, my first uh, book, Alcoholics Anonymous, is the pages are falling apart. It's been highlighted all over. But um, I believe that I was born an alcoholic only insofar as as I look back through over my life and my childhood. Mm-hmm. 
I can clearly see from day one that I never reacted normally like Heather, or what absolutely. was considered normal. I, yeah. I never reacted the way that other people reacted. Um, I grew up in a, a, a fairly well-off family. Um, my mom's family is from Colorado and okay. she comes from an absurd amount of money where they had a butler and a maid and a nanny wow. and all that sort of stuff. And my dad is, um, she's Irish Catholic. My dad is Polish Catholic and he was in the military. He retired a colonel um, in the army. He was a special forces Green Beret Army wow. Ranger. That was my dad. So um, anybody right that knows anything about the military, I grew up with a very um, not a real flexible, very rigid home life with rigid rules and, and mm-hmm. rigid things and and I was taught that all you had to do was just manage. If you just manage your life, manage your things, you manage your family, you manage your money. Everything was about, you know, the straight and narrow. And, yeah. um, and uh, we traveled. I, I was never in the same place for more than two and a half years because okay. my dad was being transferred all the time. Yep. Um, because he was special forces, I never knew what he was doing. So growing up, I couldn't talk about what my dad did because I didn't know. Yeah. I couldn't talk about it. Uh-huh. But I was always the new kid in every school. Yeah. And we were always in some place. I, I spent all my formidable years from the time I was 11 until I was 17 in Europe. Okay. Because my dad was sent to England and then later to Germany. Okay. And, um, I think in a lot of ways, I that made me much more open-minded than the average person. Yeah, I could see that. Because I've seen a lot of things. We've been to mm-hmm. a lot of countries. And, and you know, you've I've seen been, a lot of different culture. Yes. You've, had, you've had to adapt a yeah. lot. Um, mm-hmm. In order to adapt, then you have to, you know, when in, when in Rome, you know, you do as the Romans yep. do. So. Yeah, when we were in Germany, I learned how to speak German because that's what you did, awesome. you yeah. know. Um, but one of the things, and this is sort of a segue into why I bring all this up, is that when we lived in Germany, um, I went to a, an American school on the the American base in Heidelberg, Germany. Okay. But we spent, me and the rest of the kids, uh, and our whole high school and, and middle school and high school, all of us went to school together. There was probably maximum of 75 to 100 students okay we weren't a big group sure but what you did on the weekends for fun is you went off the base you Mm -hmm. went out into the regular economy and in germany at the time if you could see over the counter Mm -hmm. and you had money you could buy anything yep and it didn't matter what it was and at the time there was um Lots of different uh, drugs, which I'm an alcoholic. I, I'll mm. do drugs because they were there, but I like to drink. Yep. And so I started drinking um, really early. And the very first time I ever drank, I ever drank, I got drunk. I got had a blackout, okay. passed out, and I got up and I thought this was amazing. <laughs> and um, oh. because of us moving all the time, I was a very, very shy child. I was short. Okay. I was a sort of, I was short, fat, and I had crooked teeth. 
And for those of you listening, I, I'm not, I'm still short, but I'm not fat and I don't have crooked teeth you're, you're anymore. You're beautiful, Sharon. Well, thank you. And, but I grew up very insecure. Yeah. And the alcohol made me feel wittier, tittier, prettier. Oh, you man. know, there's just Love no it. other way. Yeah. I just felt at ease. And our our big book, the, the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, talks about that um, the ease and comfort that comes with taking that first drink. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely felt like I fit in. I could speak to people I wouldn't normally speak to. I could... Yeah not care what others think. And then of course I was out of the, and away from my very rigid family. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I also joke that I'm a recovering Catholic and, and I don't <laughs> say that to be disrespectful to anybody, but certainly, yeah. You know, um, that, but, but that brings up a, another interesting point that uh, the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is a spiritual program. Mm-hmm. And it was very difficult for me coming from an, an alco- a Catholic background yeah. to understand a God because okay. the God I grew up with was a punishing God. Mm-hmm. I was born a sinner. I was going to die a sinner. There was nothing I could ever do to be anything but not good enough. Mm-hmm. I think all of that sort of helped fuel my drinking. Okay. Um, I didn't drink. Um, alcoholically to get myself into trouble for many, many years down the road. But in Germany, the weekends were always the same. You went out with your friends, you went out onto the German economy, you spent your allowance and you got drunk. And, you know, I got a chance to do things like go to an opium den because why not? You know, um, there was this uh, liquid speed called X112 and why not? You know, Um, uh, we had this other downer pills. We called them dogs. And, you know, I was trying to think what they used to be, what their official name was. And I Mandrix is the word that comes to my mind, but I, I can't I can't say it was just what we did. Okay, you know, but um when my dad retired from the military, which was after our last trip to Germany, we moved back to the U.S. And um, he finished up his tour, his his military career at the Leavenworth, Kansas. He used okay. to have a military college. Not only is the Leavenworth prison there, which a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. There was a, a military college there. And so okay. he spent the last couple years in service with the, with the U.S. Army teaching there. Okay. Um, I came back to the U S spent that last year with them in Kansas. Um, I had all the stuff to graduate high school, but the state of Kansas wouldn't allow me to graduate because their rule was that you had to be uh, 17 and three months or something. And my birthday isn't until October. So I didn't, okay. it was just an interesting thing. So in all of this time in the military and traveling, I had never in my life run into any kind of bigotry, okay. no um, racism at all. I mean, okay. if you were an American, that was all that mattered. Yeah. And so I was very naive in that. And we okay. went back to Kansas um, and here I am, 17 years old. They're forcing me to go to a school, even though I had you know, way too many credits. Yeah. And walking to the high school down the street, 
and and this was the first time I'd ever run into racism and I was just blown away by it. Okay. I kept trying to talk to the young woman walking in front of me and she kept trying to blow me off and just, she kept walking faster Mm. and I'm trying to catch up with her to talk with her. And she finally turned around and she said, don't, you know, you can't talk to me. And I said, well, I'm new here. Can you, you know, help me out. Mm-hmm. And um, so she gave me a few pointers all the while looking at me strangely. And um, the first lunch break at school that day, I was uh-huh. jumped in the bathroom by a group of black ladies who told me that hanging out with a mulatto, a, a, a girl who was half black and half white was unacceptable. And then that afternoon coming home from school, I got beat up by a group of white girls because I had tried to cling to this. I'll never forget her name. Her name was Gretchen. Okay. And I was just trying to talk to somebody, but that was such a strange thing for me. I'm sure it was. And, and with all this Black Lives Matter and, to you know, quite frankly, all lives matter. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it's, it's just something that I had never run into. And I found it shocking and horrible. And from that mm-hmm. moment on, my whole desire was to get the hell out of Kansas. Yep. I'm sorry you had so, to go through that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it was ugly and awful. Um, mm-hmm. My drinking to this point was not that bad. You know, I could go... Uh, months and months without drinking but if i got an opportunity to drink i'm gonna get drunk okay i did i started hanging out with old people that were older than me and the first real serious boyfriend i had was in kansas his name was michael and he was four years older than me and i met him when i was out on the weekend partying and um ended up Marrying him and moving back to Colorado, where my family was from. Okay. And um, that that that's when the drinking started to become a lot more prevalent okay. in my life. I always worked. Um, I was able when we first got back to Colorado to find a job in brokerage firm as a runner. I, okay. I ran. Uh, stock certificates and my drinking at that point started every weekend, every weekend. My okay. husband liked to do drugs. So I started doing that every weekend Okay. and the drinking progressively continued to get more and more um, until um, I got pregnant with my daughter. I was okay. 24 years old. I didn't drink or use drugs when I was pregnant because I just knew I was pregnant. All right. Same Thing happened later with my son. I got pregnant and I just woke up one morning, knew I was pregnant and didn't drink or drug. Good for you. Probably because it made me ill, but also because for whatever reason, um, I, I thought it would probably not be a good idea. But then I divorced this man because okay. he started do- using meth. And, and so long story short, I'm now a single mom. Okay. And the only thing I did was raise my two kids and drink every single day when I got home from work. All right. That's all I did. I'd go to work all day and I'd pick my kids up from daycare and I'd get drunk. Okay. And I'd get drunk and I'd get drunk. Um, I didn't date or I didn't do anything else. I just took care of my kids, came home from work and got drunk. Okay. And this progressed very rapidly until 2001 after 9-11, I got laid off. All right. 
and I had a boatload of money and uh, no job. And that's when I started drinking all day, every day. And it was awful. It was awful. It was hideous. It was ugly. I, um, I thought I was having fun. I thought this was, you know, our big book talks about our alcoholic life seems the only normal one. Yeah. Yep. And because I was in my mind saddled with two children Mm-hmm. And I couldn't go out to bars and do all this fun stuff that other people did. I'd come home from or, or after they, I got laid off, um, I was now free to run about and do all kinds of things and run amok. And I started doing some bar hopping and leaving mm-hmm. my kids, you know, for uh, a night or two alone and, you know, meeting guys. I'd never done that. And, mm-hmm. and, and getting into all kinds of trouble. I got a DUI. Okay. Back then they didn't do a lot about it. I got a DWAI. All right. They didn't do a lot about it. And then one night driving up to somebody's house in the mountains, I, while drunk, I crossed the center line on a mountain road, highway yeah. 285. All right. And I, ran head on into a Volkswagen that had four teenagers in it. Okay. And um, three of them were seriously injured and I was charged with felony vehicular assault. Yeah. And I have zero recollection of that entire um, thing. And for the Um, record, I'll say that, um, you know, I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky that nobody died. Number one. But um, I absolutely hate, I absolutely hate the disease of alcoholism mm. and drug addiction. Yeah. It's, um, it annihilates all things. Yeah. And our big book talks about that. So anyway, I, um, my parents were gracious enough. They had since moved back to Colorado after my dad retired. And okay. um, they took both the kids because my ex-husband was who knows where. Yeah in his methamphetamine induced state. And um, I got sentenced to, at the time, it was the longest prison sentence in Colorado history for vehicular assault. Whoa. And I was sentenced initially to seven years prison. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time I was 29 years old. I had I, I, I had no idea that this was going to happen. Yeah. I was just, it was beyond me. How, how I don't, they know who I am. This couldn't have yeah. happened to me. Yeah. So I got sentenced to prison. Long, 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 long story short. Um, everybody stayed away from me. I didn't have any trouble in prison, but they, it was, if you were under 30 years old, they offered a program that allowed you to do a boot camp. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. a military boot camp. Okay. Women. And if you went to this boot camp and you passed, you graduated, that you could get a sentence reduction from the judge. So All I right. did that. I came with 150 people and 14 of us graduated. Yeah. Sounds about right. And I got um, the sentence reduction hearing from the judge and got out of prison in 18 months from a seven year sentence. I mean, the timing and all that couldn't have been better. Boom, I get sentenced. Boom, I get, I'm in there. And then, you know, three weeks later, they're packing us all up. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the paperwork went through for me to do that. That was grueling and horrible. And I understand yeah. guys that um and gals that join the military. When you go off to boot camp, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it was like. But so anyway, um my parents, my mom has since now disowned me because I'm a horrible, hideous person. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, that's uh, it is what it is. Um, her dad was an abusive alcoholic. Okay. I uh, didn't understand alcoholism. When I walked into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, I had no idea what an alcoholic was. Okay. I thought that when it came time for me, to want to stop drinking sometime in 2000, late 2003, mid 2003, I really thought that if I wanted to stop, I could. Mm. And what I okay. found was that when I wanted to stop, I couldn't. Okay. And um, the, there's a wonderful part of the big book, the doctor's opinion that mm-hmm. talks about the mental obsession mm-hmm. and the phenomenon of craving. Yep. And I, I couldn't understand how I couldn't stop drinking. Yeah. Um, I had met a guy, his name was Tony, and he moved in with me. All um, right. You know, remember, I had gotten laid off and I had all this money and mm-hmm. uh, owned a, a cute little town home. And um, he liked to do cocaine and I like to drink. So if you mix the two, that that's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, the thing about all these years of drinking is that you do a lot of crazy, insane things. I was yes. mean and hateful to everyone. Yeah. It didn't matter who you were. Complete strangers were terrified of me mm-hmm. because I was just had this aura of hatred yeah. and ugliness. Um, it was awful. Um, and, you know, in hindsight now, it's because I didn't like myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I had... I, I, you know, I just had no self-esteem, no mm. anything, no, nothing good could I find in myself. And yeah. the drinking would hide all that for a bit, you know, it would hide it all. Um, the interesting part is that in all this, these years of drinking, I ended up with three DUIs, okay. a DWAI, and I was never once told by any judge that maybe you might have a drinking problem. Yeah, surprised actually i i i maybe you know nowadays it, you know they, they have tv shows about you know yeah it it blows me away that um so i didn't know anything about alcoholics anonymous but i i do remember the last night i drank um tony and i had it worked out perfect that you do so much cocaine you yeah. so much and it's this perfect spot that you get to yep and um he had since long passed out and i couldn't do the right amount of alcohol and i couldn't do the right amount of coke and i couldn't i couldn't come down but Mm -hmm. i couldn't get high yeah and um i was at that place in the big book that talks about the jumping off place where Mm -hmm. i couldn't imagine my life with alcohol anymore because i hated it but yeah. I couldn't imagine my life without it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's the big book talks about the hideous four horsemen, terror, mm. bewilderment, a frustration and despair. And um, I contemplated suicide. Um, Tony okay. had guns. And so I was going to kill myself. 
because I didn't know how to stop the madness. I had tried to stop drinking so many times and it just, you know, I'd swear I'm not going to drink. And then the next morning I get up and before noon I was drunk again and, Mm -hmm. and I had no idea how that happened, but it's because I didn't know what an alcoholic was. Yeah. And, um, and, last, you had, and you'd solved a lot of things on willpower alone. Yeah. I mean, you were brought exactly. up in a you were brought up in a home where you took care of your business. Mm-hmm. You take care of your own business. Don't you be you know? That's right. kind of a, a military thinking. It so is. you know, I think I would probably have the same thought process as you. You know, and the fact that nobody's brought it up to you, probably because they didn't want to deal with your anger. Yeah, <laughs> and probably. probably scared I, of you. you know. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. I I could I just couldn't understand what I wanted to stop. I couldn't, which is why I I had contemplated suicide. I had okay. written out the letter that I was going to leave about who my, you know, where I wanted my kids to go to, and and uh, that last night, um, I was sitting downstairs in my living room, mm-hmm. and I couldn't fall asleep, and I couldn't get drunk, and I couldn't get high, and I was just at this really strange place. And I remember looking up going, oh, my God, is this all there is? Mm-hmm. Meaning, is is this all there is to life? You know, I just I just couldn't imagine this uh, a more awful life. Yeah. And um, that was the absolute part that you learn about in NAA that talks about surrender. Mm-hmm. I was done. And um, so. um nothing spectacular happened when Mm -hmm. I, you know, threw up my arms and I asked, it's just that, um, all of a sudden I was just tired. So Mm -hmm. I I went upstairs and I went to bed and and the next morning when I got up, um, in the back of my head, it said, look for or find an AA meeting. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what that was. Mm -hmm. Nobody had ever said anything. I didn't know what a 12 step program was. I had no idea. Hell, we'd been living in Europe. I don't even know if they had 12-step programs. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't ever watch a lot of TV. So um, when I got up the next morning, I had slept for probably about three hours. Okay. And I, I told Tony, I got on the computer. You know, this was back in the day when you didn't have cell phones. Yeah. And so I got on the computer and I dialed up the internet, you know, that dial-up internet. Yep. And I looked up Alcoholics Anonymous. And I found um, a, a, a women's meeting that started at 930 that morning. Mm-hmm. And um, all I had to do was just hold off until I could get there. And I told Tony, you know, you watch the kids. I'm going to go to uh, this AA meeting. And um, the first thing I learned, and I, I was petrified, by the way. Sure. Scared to death. Yeah. Um, and angry as hell. And, and, um. I walked into this room and all these smiling women and I, I just, I sat by the door mm-hmm. ready to bolt. Yeah. Quick escape. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I came in thinking I, I hated God. He hated me and that was fine. Um, but I'm sure that God was the reason I stayed that mm-hmm. day for that meeting. Absolutely. And, um, I don't remember anything that was said. Mm-hmm. This is a Saturday morning, and I don't remember a freaking word. Um, I just knew that I didn't want my life anymore. Yeah. I couldn't stand me. Anymore. Nothing 
me. I get that. Yeah. I had turned into this horrible, awful, hateful, insane, crazy person. And um, I just, I obviously I wasn't silly enough or brave enough to kill myself. No. Uh, However the case may be. So I went into Alcoholics Anonymous. I I know I remember nothing of that meeting at all. Um, But this was at a club um, and there was another meeting at noon and another one at 530. And Mm -hmm. I sat there all day long. Yep. And I did nothing else. I just sat there. Um, The next day I went to a very large Sunday morning meeting and it's the first time I ever remember anything that was said to me. And this guy was sharing and he said, if you want to, what, what you need to do is do this thing here in Alcoholics Anonymous like you did that thing out there. Correct. And the only thing that I know is that if I drank every single day and mm-hmm. I never had a sober <laughs> breath, that means I'm going to have to do this AA stuff mm-hmm. pretty hard. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. Um you too. know, that the first part of sobriety was absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. I was an emotional wreck. I highs and lows, like you can't imagine. I, yeah. I was insane. I was angry. I nothing. I was so uncomfortable in my own skin. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hold a coffee cup. You could smoke in the rooms at that time. And yeah. so I was chain smoking cigarettes the whole time. Mm-hmm. That And all I did was, um, take my kids to school in the morning and I'd go back and sit in this AA room and I'd pick my kids up from school and I'd feed them, do their homework with them. Tony would watch them and I'd go back and sit in this AA room. Wow. Cool. All night. And uh, I'm glad that I wasn't employed. I did. I didn't know it at the time, but I'm grateful that I had Mm -hmm. an opportunity to do that. Um, you know, if you drank like me 24 seven, you know, I, I understand why there's treatment centers. I, uh-huh. um, I was shaking and baking and physically ill and I probably should not have detoxed on my own. Uh, but that's just the way it was. And uh, yeah. uh, a woman came up to me uh, about my third day of sobriety and told me that I had such a horrific chip on my shoulder that either I, I need to do the steps or you're going to die is what yep. she told me. Mm-hmm. And her name was Kim. Okay. And she ended up being my first sponsor. Yep. And the only woman <laughs> that wasn't afraid of me. Yeah. Good for her, man. Good. Yeah. The, the only woman that she said, I see myself in you. Yeah. That's why and she wasn't I, scared of you. Cause she was looking at herself. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And, um, it was, it was arduous. It was painful. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, we, I saw her every single day at the noon meeting because she owned her own business. And yep. so she could be at the noon meeting and everyone in that noon meeting that became my home group. You know, you got to go to meetings where, you know, people where you feel like mm-hmm. you fit. I don't fit in a, in a fucking white picket fence meeting. That's yeah. not where I fit. I hear you. So, and so this God put me in the perfect place mm-hmm. as um, you know, everybody in that noon meeting that was my home group, they all had double digit sobriety, just about all these yep. long timers. And they were ex hell's angels and iron workers and mm-hmm. all of these crazy people that um, were not afraid of me. Yeah. 
and um, you know, uh, they they took really good care of me. I'm presuming you're talking about putt and sober. No, I'm not actually. Okay. No. Good. Uh, it's even cooler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it wasn't putt and sober. Although that that became my second home um, because I do now. I I own and ride my own Harley, but this oh. was just this was an <laughs> oddball group of people. Um, and and except for Kim. And one other lady, they were all men. They were all old guys. Mm-hmm. And, um, but they still carried weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw more than one gun pulled out in a meeting. I saw more than one knife, uh, you know, pulled out. It was just, but I could relate to them. I, I could relate to them. That's how crazy and insane I was. You know, mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't a teetotaler and I, I, I didn't go to fancy parties and drink my wine. That's you know, right. I drink. My drink of choice is whiskey and water. Yeah. Um, so, but what this gal Kim did for me and, and these guys is um, they taught me how to live differently. Mm-hmm. It was, um, I didn't realize I was insane until I started working through the reading this big book. Kim and I sat down and we read out loud every single sentence mm-hmm. in here of the first 164 pages. And we did the 12 steps according to what the big book says, how you do them. And um, it says here that um, I needed, I need a, I need a spiritual remedy for mm-hmm. a spiritual illness. Correct. And um, I definitely believe that this is a, it's a hideous insidious disease, but absolutely. Um, I believe that only a spiritual experience will help. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never seen people truly change. Like I've seen people in alcoholics change in alcoholics anonymous, you know, um, it takes the derelicts of human society and Mm -hmm. and people who are, are incapable of any kind of decent function and makes them into accountable members of society you know, and nice people. Um, but the first thing Kim and I, um, I ever, I, since I didn't know what an alcoholic was, she told me, cause I told her, I said, I shouldn't be here. I, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, I don't belong here. Don't, you know, I'm smarter than all of you all. I have a, an above average IQ and I shouldn't mm-hmm. be here. And so she told me to start with the doctor's opinion in the big book. Yeah. And, um, that explains, um, that, uh, that the body of an alcoholic is quite as abnormal in his mind as is mine. It does not satisfy us just to be told that we could not control our drinking just yep. because we were maladjusted to life, that we were full in full flight from reality. I, I have an allergy to alcohol yeah. and that's the best example or, or definition um, yep. I've ever heard is that when you put alcohol in me uh, mentally and physically, I can't, I, I don't react normally. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are allergic to strawberries. I can eat the hell out of some strawberries. You yeah. know, it doesn't bother me. But but when you put alcohol, there's something in me that doesn't react the way it does. And like my, I have two sisters and okay. uh, I, my younger sister might be an alcoholic, um, but my older sister positively isn't, you know, Um and the doctor's opinion here told me about my disease. Mm-hmm. Um, it told me about the phenomenon of craving, yep. you know, that when I taste alcohol, I can't, 
I, I just, I, I, I obsess over it yeah. and I have to have more and more and more. So um, anyway, um, the Kim and I read through the big book and I did my first set of steps with her. And I, I was basically taught all these things about living life differently. Um, you know, all the weird sayings on the wall, think, 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 um, halt, which is hung, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Um, I was taught by my first sponsor, Kim, that in the morning when you get up, just ask God to keep you sober. And mm-hmm. that was hard for me. I hated God. He hated me. And she said, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you ask uh-huh. God to keep you sober. And at the end of the day, if you stayed sober, you thank him. Mm-hmm. And um, later with time, you know, I, I get to it says in this big book that the purpose of this book is to find a power Probably greater than yourself. yourself. Uh, yep. yep. And, um, you know, that's what we went about was to find that power greater than myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I, I still, there's a very simple thing that, that I remember all the time is seek God, clean house, help others. Mm-hmm. And those are the three things that I try to do every single day. Yep. I, I talk to an alcoholic every day. I read something out of the big book or some of the other AA approved literature. And I sponsor gals. Um, and we work through the big book the same way. We start on page one mm-hmm. and we read through all of it um, together and answer all the questions. And yep. uh, that's what I still do. I don't. I don't hang out with anyone who isn't a member of Alcoholics Anonymous hmm. and okay. not because I don't think there isn't good people out there, but because one of the things that I've realized is that I don't think normally. Mm-hmm. I don't think like other people think. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, there's something not right up in my brain. And because of that, I find that, if I'm with people who are like me, that have mm-hmm. the same disease, that have the same illness, that suffer from the same malady, that mm-hmm. they can understand me. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't know, but I, there's been lots of times in my life at work or whatever else that, you know, you say something and people give you that look. Yeah. I, that yeah. look like uh, she's what? Well, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah. um, so I don't find that in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I, uh, what I will say to, to anyone who's, who's listening is that, you know, you got to ask yourself if you like your life, if you like what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I hated it. Um, I absolutely hated it. And, yep. and I don't, you know, since I've been sober, I've, I've, uh, I never lost custody of my kids. I never yeah. was homeless. I never went without anything um, except for my dignity and self-esteem. <laughs> but um, I went back to college at the ripe old age of, well, yeah, ripe old age. And I ended up <laughs> getting a couple of college degrees and I own a home and I have a Harley and I have a truck that's, that's all paid for. I, I, I have a life today that's worth living, Mm -hmm. Um, but I still continue to work with other alcoholics. I still continue to go to meetings. Um, In all the years I've been sober, I've seen hundreds of people who don't stay sober. Mm -hmm. 
And if you sit down and you ask them what happened, they don't go to meetings. They quit going to meetings. They don't. Fellowship is really important with alcoholics. We need mm-hmm. each other to stay sober. We do. Absolutely. We need each other. And and mm-hmm. I hated that idea, but you know, I can't survive without you. Yeah. Every time I go into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, I get my cup filled. Mm-hmm. I get that spiritual cup filled. And and um, you know, you guys talk my language. And um, you know, in in all these years I've been sober, I, I don't know that I've ever come close to, to wanting to drink. I've, okay. I've certainly, I've certainly wanted to hit oblivion. Okay. I, I have wanted to disappear. I wanted sure. everything to be different. I just don't want to pick up a drink to do yeah. it. See, cause I've recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Yep. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is that I have alcoholism, mm-hmm. not alcoholism. That's correct. And staying sober doesn't guarantee that I get to stay sober. Mm-hmm. 16 okay. years, you know, I learned from an old guy, Floyd, that the further away I am from my last drink, the closer I am to my next drink. Yep. And I believe that. And mm-hmm. I've seen it again and again and again and again. Um, what I can say, the other reason I hate this hideous disease is that my daughter um is a heroin addict and okay. my son is an alcoholic right. and that's what this disease has done to my family. Yeah. Uh, my daughter right now is sitting in prison. I'm sorry. And um, my son, he, he grew up in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. He was seven when I got sober. Okay. And um, he's been to meetings for till he was 16 and then um, for fun. And then as soon as he found out at 24 that he has a drinking problem, he doesn't want anything to do with Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Now he's going to, he's going to, he's going to avoid certain people because he knows, but when the day comes, when he finally makes that decision, you've taught him what to do and where to go. So there's, there's hope. I, and I, I only say that because I go through with my kids too. Um, Yeah. Well, I, it's awful to watch it. It is it's, and it's, it's 10 times as worse when you're a parent. Um, and that's, that goes back to, that's why this is a, we program though. And that's why we need each other because I, I probably would have made a lot of wrong moves with my kids. If I wouldn't have had the guidance of my, of my sponsor, my home group. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, that's it. I, I need you people. And, um, you know, for many years, I didn't like that. I, I didn't like the idea yeah. with my background of uh-huh. having to need anyone. And now it's, it's an asset. It's not a yeah. weakness. Yeah. It's, it's a good thing. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't suffer from the same problems. I don't have to be right all the time. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have to be at the head of the line. And, yeah. you know, if I can stay, <laughs> humble and and balanced and I, I being humble is being balanced right sized yeah i know what i'm good at and i know what i'm horrible at yep. and it's okay as long as i can just remember that you know mm-hmm. i i i still ask god every day to keep me sober yeah i don't always thank him at night but i sure remember to ask him every mm-hmm. day i prayer and meditation is a big thing and i leave for work in the morning and i would consider myself 
a, a successful person today, very much yeah, so. Absolutely. You, you know, I am. Um, when I go to work in the morning, um, it's dark. I leave my house at quarter to five okay. in the morning. And um, it, the world is dark out and I don't turn on any loud music. I talk to God mm-hmm. and listen yeah. when I go to work. Prayer is talking. Meditation is listening. listening. Yeah. I have to listen to God to hear what he wants for me. And, um, you know, I've had some. One of the other wonderful things I, I learned from my first sponsor, Kim, is that, you know, life is still life. And just because I got sober doesn't mean everything gets good. Correct. And, you know, um, my daughter was hit by a car one year and when I was seven years sober, and that was pretty painful. Mm-hmm. This last year at 16 has been really just a horrible year for me. Um, I'm sorry. Not that I want to drink. But that I've just yeah. had all these circumstances come up. Sure. And thank God I have closed mouth friends that I can talk to. Yeah, absolutely. And I have yes. a place to go. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad and I ended up later in life being very close. And when he died, first place I went to is a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yep. You know, but um, yeah, you know, I don't know if it, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's good or bad, my little story there. Um, I just know that I, you know, I need Alcoholics Anonymous. I need to sponsor women. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, Lord willing, I don't have to drink ever again. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, no, that was a great story. I had a, I had a great time listening to you. Um, and, and it was captivating. There wasn't much for me to say because, <laughs> uh, you know, I think everything was right on. Thank you very much for being, thank you very much for being on our show, taking your time, crying a little bit with us. I know, I know sometimes um, that can be hard, um, but you already know that um, somebody else is going to hear that and, and get some hope out of it. Um, yeah. And that's and, why, and we're, that's why we're doing this. Exactly. Hope is the, is the main reason, you know, I was told mm-hmm. you never turn down AA or anyone that asks for something to do with recovery. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I hope, I, I know that the first meeting I ever went to, I felt the hope mm-hmm. I don't know that I heard it, but I felt it. Mm-hmm. So it's really important hope because there is a better way. There is, there is a better way. Well, thank you very much for coming on and, and taking your time. Um, and to all of our, our listeners, you know, yeah, we do get sober, but what we really go into recovery, what recovery really is about is is recovery from, from selfish things and mm-hmm. fear and trauma. And, and, uh, um, and I like the way that you put it because it's right out of the big book, but we do recover from a from insanity. Right? Yeah. I'm a recovered alcoholic, also, yeah. and I and I get that. Um, it does not mean that I'm cured of alcoholism. Yeah. But um, now I react sanely. I am not the person that I was four years ago. Um, yeah. I don't like that person, um, and I love who I am now. Um, you know, there's a thing that was going on, on Facebook. I mean, if you talk to your 16 year old self, what would you say? You know, well, good luck, dude. Right. <laughs> because I like who I am today. I don't want anything to change. Good, bad or indifferent. Nope. 
I don't regret any of it. So, um, yeah, thank you everybody for coming on, uh, for coming on. Thank you for, for listening. Um, this is, uh, Dion Miller with, uh, raw recovery. And thank you for being a part of, I love you guys. You know, I do peace out and have a day.